All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are talking about the latest rumors surrounding Calvin Ridley, as well as making the case for why it makes total sense for the Falcons to draft a quarterback in this upcoming draft. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcons.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at Falcons, putting up weekly content at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons, and of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And in addition to talking about Calvin Ridley and drafting a quarterback, we're going to be answering a couple of listener questions today, talking about uh, what areas of the roster, what needs the Falcons should be focusing on in free agency, as well as making comparison between Arthur Smith and Kyle Shanahan. But before we get into all of that, guys, I want to thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, Lockdown Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, as well as now on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel and make sure you give us a like when you do leave a comment, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so let's jump into the Ridley news that kind of broke on Saturday where NFL Network's Mike Garofalo weighed in on the Calvin Ridley situation and similar to what we heard from Steve Weish, one of Garofalo's uh, colleagues at the NFL Network. Uh, Garofalo spoke about, or Garofalo, I don't know how to say his name. Let's go with Garofalo. Um, he talked about the lack of communication between the Falcons and Calvin Ridley's camp, uh, you know, since his decision to step away from the game due to mental health back in week eight. Uh, and some of the other sort of quotes from Garofalo was uh, at some point they're going to have to get in touch with Ridley's camp to see if it's feasible for him to come back. Uh, Garofalo (laughs) agreed with Steve Weiss's assessment from two weeks ago that both sides could be looking for a fresh start. Uh, It's not a situation where he has, referring to Calvin Ridley, has any ill will towards the organization. There are personal things going on, and it sounds like a new location uh, would be good for him. And then he went on to make an educated prediction or really an educated guess. And it wasn't a report. Uh, he emphasized that it was not a report uh, that he predicted that Calvin Ridley uh, could be playing elsewhere in 2022. And that he already spoke to a, a couple of NFL genomes around the league. And the indication seemed to be that those teams believed that at some point Calvin Ridley would be made available, obviously via trade. So uh, does this necessarily mean that Calvin Ridley is done in Atlanta? No, as uh, Garofalo said, uh, we'll just have to sort of wait and see what comes about in this situation and if and when the Falcons finally get in touch with Ridley's camp. But as I said over a week ago when we talked about Steve Weiss's sort of initial musings and guesses, his best guesses as well on this situation, it does seem like we're headed towards a parting of ways. If We're not fully there yet, but it does seem like that's the direction that we are trending in uh, unless the two sides can sort of get this thing resolved and get on the same page and 
mm. that could be a phone call away. That could be Arthur Blank uh, making a phone call, Calvin Ridley's agent making a phone call, Arthur Smith making a phone call, Terry Fontenot making a phone call, Rich McKay making a phone call. I, I don't know. Text matches, any of those types of things. So this is going to continue to be a developing story until we get some more, you know, concrete information. It's just mostly speculation at this point in time. You know, this could unfold over the matter of days, weeks, or months. So we'll just sort of have to see uh, how that goes. Um, you know, and it's, you know, my only last thoughts on it before we move on is just kind of, um, you know, what I said to Charles McDonald on Friday's episode, which is, you know, I, I do think if the Falcons are headed in this direction to parting ways with Calvin Ridley, I think it is potentially a devastating blow to this offense for a variety of reasons. I feel like the best chance for this team to have a successful 2022 um, and their offense to have a, a, you know, a successful year and have a rebound season. Um, you know, the best version of this offense, I think does include Calvin Ridley on it. Uh, and they're much better. The odds are in their favor that they can have that type of rebound season are, are higher with Calvin Ridley than without Calvin Ridley. Um, we already kind of saw the negative impact that not having Julio Jones on the field had on Matt Ryan this season. And I don't feel like that's trending in the right direction if he also loses Calvin Ridley uh, this season. Uh, and we just kind of have to rely on, on Kyle Pitts and, and a new receiver, potentially a rookie receiver, you know, and the rookies are notoriously not great uh, in year one. And we know that free agent receivers, and this, again, this is something that we can talk about maybe as we get closer to free agency, but the history of, of team signing free agent receivers is not very good in terms of those guys having success with their new team. So um, given that 2022 potentially is a critical make or break year for not only this team, but also Matt Ryan, you know, we may be in a position where if we don't necessarily have uh, that sort of rebound season, the, the Falcons could be looking to move on uh, or replacing Matt Ryan as early as 2023. And one potential option for them to replace Matt Ryan in 2023 is taking a quarterback in the 2022 draft. Uh, and that quarterback might be a day two pick, but many may recall that around this time last year, or at least prior to last year's draft, you heard me say that, you know, using a, pick on a quarterback after round one is essentially a waste of a draft pick given the low hit rate there. And I will basically explain what has changed over the last nine months to change my opinion on the idea of the Falcons taking a quarterback uh, after round one in this year's draft and not seeing it as a complete waste. But before we get into all of that, guys, you know, it's a new year, which means there's new year's resolutions. And, you know, if yours is about eating healthier or getting in shape uh, you know, you might want to include a built Bar as part of your resolution. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, even better than a candy bar. Uh, everybody wants to eat healthier, but eating healthier can be pretty boring. And Built Bar makes eating healthier fun. It makes it easier to stick to that resolution because it tastes so good. You'll actually want to eat it. And even if you're not necessarily a huge fan of working out, you can at least some eat something that tastes good. Uh, and something that's good for you. Built Bars are low in sugar, calories, and carbs, high in protein and fiber. And there's so many flavors to choose from. You got coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, salted caramel, many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming out with limited time flavors such as coconut brownie chunk, eggnog, caramel macchiato, and so much more. You can check them all out at Built.com to often see what's new. So go to Built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So our first question as we get into the mailbag portion of today's episode is uh, from Brian S. Colony at Real BS Connolly on Twitter. 
He says, last March, I asked you if you thought it would make sense to approach finding Matt Ryan's replacement by dedicating multiple two, day two picks over the next few years. And you argued convincingly that is this was the 516th stupidest idea you've heard because of the probability of hitting on a franchise quarterback on day two was only a, around 20%. So imagine my shock when this winter comes and you're saying that the birds should take a day two quarterback in the draft. What if anything has changed? So that, that notion that there's the 516 stupid idea is a inside joke between Brian and I. But, you know, I did answer a question that you sent in, Brian, on the March 15th Monday mailbag that we did. Uh, and, you know, as you said, you know, the hit rate on quarterbacks taken after round one is, is very low. Um, so that, you know, I said roughly 20%. And so basically, the, you know, the math, you know, and the, anybody who's, you know, actually taking a math class in the last 20 years, uh, unlike myself, um, can check my math on this, but, you know, it would seem that you, you wouldn't, you would have to draft a quarterback in round two, five years in a row to actually hit on one in all likelihood. And so that math hasn't changed, uh, over the last nine months. Um, uh, but the main thing that has changed is, where the Falcons are picking in, in this particular draft class. Last year, the Falcons had the fourth overall draft pick. Uh, and the value of taking quarterback was at the fourth overall draft pick last year, not waiting until round two or three to take someone. You know, why pass on Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or, or Mac Jones uh, to take Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, or, or Kyle Trask, significantly lesser quarterback prospects? This year is a different situation. The Falcons are picking eighth, and there's not really a, a quarterback at the top of the draft that's so far shown themselves to be worth the eighth overall pick. Um, you know, and I don't think there will be a guy that shows himself to be that. We'll see what happens after the senior bowl. But, you know, it does seem like there's a lot more guys that are definitely worth using day two picks on. Um, and if you compare the two draft classes, and I'll, I'll say this because I haven't necessarily done all my homework on this year's quarterback class quite yet, and we'll get into that as the offseason unfolds. So, you know, I reserve the right to change my opinion on this, but based off of what the little I have done, I've done some work on this quarterback class, but not extensively to really have a strong opinion. But my initial assessment is, you know, that, you know, this quarterback class is not probably as bad as you'll probably hear a lot of people say it is. Like some people will say, oh, this is a terrible quarterback. Class. It's not a terrible quarterback class. There's no player better than Mac Jones, right? You know, who went 15th last year and was the consensus QB5 in last year's draft class. QB six was Kyle Trask who went 64th at the end of round two. Kellen Mond was QB seven and Davis Mills was QB eight. And they both went very like two spots later at like pick 66 and 67 uh, in at the top of round three. Um, I think if you were to, you know, teleport Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond and Davis Mills to this year's quarterback class, they would still probably be QB six, seven and eight somewhere around there. I think there's potentially four or five or maybe even six quarterbacks in this year's draft class that would be graded higher than those guys last year. It's just none of them are graded higher than Mac Jones. So essentially, whether we're looking at Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, uh, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Carson Strong, those are the guys that seem to be the consensus top six guys. We'll see, you know, maybe Bailey Zappi uh, can sort of throw his name into the hat or somebody else. Um, but it seems like they would probably all be graded out below Mac Jones but higher than Kyle Trask. And so essentially we have like five or six guys that are worth the 16th overall pick through the 63rd overall pick. Um, and so that's prime real estate. And it, just because nobody is worth the top 
the eighth overall pick doesn't mean that nobody is worth the 43rd overall pick where the Falcons are picking at the top of round two and somewhere in late second round where Tennessee is going to be picking, which we know, I think, based off of where they finish in the, in the postseason, will be somewhere between 57 and 64, right? So, like, the Falcons have prime real estate to take one of these quarterbacks that are actually going to be a halfway decent prospect, just not decent enough to be worth considering with the eighth overall selection. The other factor, Brian, that has changed over the last nine months is Matt Ryan had a much worse season than we thought he would have, or at least what I thought he would have this past year. You know, we, we spent all, all season saying, oh, Arthur Smith is going to, you know, resurrect Matt Ryan similar to what he did with Ryan Tannehill, and he went in the exact opposite direction. And as I'm sure many of you are pointing out, we talked a little bit with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and the offensive line. Again, there are factors that contributed to that. So don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying it's all on Matt Ryan. It's all on Arthur Smith. But, you know, we're, we're looking at a situation now going into 2022 where the probability seems much, much higher that 2022, and again, I know this is going to be controversial to a lot of folks, is Matt Ryan's last year in Atlanta. That didn't see, like, that was a possibility a year ago, nine months ago, but it didn't seem as probable, if you ask me, as it seems today, Right. And, you know, the other factor is the Falcons back of quarterback situation is, is a dumpster fire. Let's be honest with you, right? They have a need for a backup quarterback. They have a need. To, now, QB2 may not be as big a need as some other positions, uh, like the offensive line, like the defensive line, like wide receiver, if they wind up trading Calvin Ridley, et cetera, right? In the secondary, I'm not saying it's one of their three to five highest needs, but it is a need, guys. Like, we can't sit here and pretend that going into another season with AJ McCarron, Josh Rosen, or Felipe Franks is a good strategy. And I don't understand, you know, and again, maybe I'll change my opinion once I do more homework on this quarterback class, but I don't see why anybody would look at the free agents available and think Teddy Bridgewater, Mitch Trubisky, or Trevor Simeon, or, or any of these sort of Jacoby Brissett are better backup options. You would rather roll with one of those guys then roll the dice potentially on a young quarterback, right? But, like, you know, I I know to a certain extent a lot of people think, well, we don't know if we need a quarterback right now. We need someone who can come in and contribute right away, which I get. I You know, I don't think that's a wrong opinion. But I also don't get it twisted, ladies and gentlemen. The, the odds of you hitting on the second-round pick on taking a non-quarterback are not as high as you probably are perceiving. Like, the way that people talk about it is like, oh, if we draft a quarterback, it's a complete waste. And if we draft a position player, it's a guaranteed hit. We're guaranteed to get a Pro Bowl. Like, I did some research uh, ahead of this episode and looked at, you know, going back to that Tennessee pick in the 57 to 62 range and looked at a decade-long period from, like, 09 to 2018 – and looked at guys over the first four years of their rookie contract to see how many games they started. And only maybe about, out of like the 60-player sample that we're talking about, only maybe 25% of them, maybe it was 30%, I can't remember exactly. But like a quarter of those guys started 32 or more games in their first four years, right? So like Robert Alford was one of those guys that started 32 or more games in his first four years. Uh, Isaiah Oliver was one of those guys that did not right, that the Falcons took in that range. And so basically the math is telling me that you're three times as likely if we, you know, assuming that we take a position player at 43 and then we are potentially in a position to take a quarterback at, you know, 60, whatever, you know, the odds, you know, it's three times as likely that we're going to draft the next Isaiah Oliver than it is hitting on a Robert Alford to, if you get my drift. So like the, 
the notion that like that's a guaranteed hit if we use it on a position player like is, is kind of silly. The other factor is, you know, a lot of people will sit here and say, well, we don't need a quarterback right now, but we might need one in 2020. If we need a quarterback in 2023 because we're moving on from Matt Ryan, let's wait till 2023. But you don't know, like that's a gamble, guys. Like I, I don't know how else to explain it. Like when you look at where the Falcons could potentially be picking, this notion that you're going to be like a quarterback's going to fall into your lap in 2023 just is not true at all. Like again, we don't know the unknowns, and I, I think that's part of it. Where it's like it's so unknown that sort of assuming that like we're going to be in a position in a better position to take a quarterback next year is not a good assumption, right? Let's be honest. I do not have a lot of optimism about this season that the Falcons are going to have a winning record this year, right? But I also think with Matt Ryan at the helm, like you're probably not going to be bad enough to be picking, you know, you're like you're not going to be two and fifteen, three and fourteen bad enough to pretty much guarantee you a spot like in the top two or three picks where you can probably get one of the quarterbacks at the top of next year's draft. And again, I'm not an expert on, on next year's quarterback class, but from what I have read, it, you know. It's Bryce Young from Alabama, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, and then it's a whole bunch of question marks. So to me, like this notion that it's going to be like this three, four, five deep quarterback class doesn't seem likely right now. It seems like it's going to be a two quarterback draft, and then you know if you're settling for QB three, you might be reaching on a guy. And the the, the reality is that most years where the Falcons presumably could be picking him. Like let's say they go five and 12 or six and 11 or something like that next year, you're probably picking that six to 12 sort of range. And most of the quarterbacks, you know, obviously you have players like Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson that were picked in that range. But like, I think if you're hoping that like, you're going to find that guy, that guy's going to fall into your lap, a quarterback of that caliber, that's just like pure luck guys. And then when you look at the other drafts, like Josh Allen was taken in that range, but like Josh Allen came in a draft, where he, those five quarterbacks taken in round one. Same with Justin Fields. You know, Matt Jones was pick 15. And then a five deep quarterback draft. And you don't know if you're going to have five guys. It could be a two quarterback draft next year or whatever the case may be. And so the point is, it's just a huge question mark to just basically say, we'll worry about it tomorrow. Like you need to worry about it today. And, and this is kind of going to be the mantra that you're going to hear me say probably a thousand times this offseason, which is like, we may be approaching the end of the Matt Ryan era and the, the, the time is now, you know, this is the off season where the Falcons have to start preparing for what's next in the post Matt Ryan era, you know, whether that post Matt Ryan era arrives in 2023, 2024, 2025, or, or not, I don't know guys, but you have to start preparing for that era. Right. And, you know, if, if, if BetOnline was setting the over-under for how many games that Matt Ryan was going to start in a Falcons uniform, you know, I think they would probably set it like 17 and a half games. And I would sit here and tell you guys, you probably should take the under on that, right? That's what I would do. If I if, the, if those odds were right now on BetOnline.ag, that's what I would do. I'd take the under on that. But, like, I don't understand the notion. Or, like, I get it to a certain extent. But, like, this notion that people are, like, don't want to draft a quarterback. Like why? Like you got to draft a quarterback guys. Like that's the most important position on the field. And even if it takes multiple bites of that, even if you whiff on this pick and you draft a quarterback this year and you're like, Oh, Desmond Ritter stinks. And then like next year you're still in the market for taking a quarterback. It doesn't mean, Oh, you wasted a pick. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like this is the most important position on the football field and the odds that you're going to hit on it, you know, on the, the bullseye on your first, you know, throw or your first, you know, 
shot is very low. So take multiple bites at it. You know, like, what's the problem? Like, I understand from certain people's perspective, uh, a certain contingent of Falcon fans that basically don't want to see anybody brought in that could signal the end of Matt Ryan's tenure here or challenge Matt Ryan so that, you know, they don't have to endure the embarrassment or whatever the case may be of, you know, Matt Ryan throwing a pick and Falcon fans booing him and calling for Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter or Carson Strong or whoever. They don't want to see that happen. I understand that. But like for me personally, and again, no judgment to any fan that falls in that camp, but the camp I'm in is I just want to see the team be good guys. And whether that's Matt Ryan at the quarterback or Malik Willis at the quarterback or Carson Strong at the quarterback or Bailey Zappi at the quarterback or Bryce Young, I don't really care. I just want the team to be good. And so if that means bringing a new quarterback, then so be it. You know, so like I, I sit here and I go just like, what's the what's the fear of drafting a quarterback? Like, I don't understand that. Like, I mean, again, I understand it from that one perspective. But if you don't fall into that camp of like, you just don't want to see someone possibly challenge Matt Ryan, if that's not your attitude towards it, then you should be. Again, I'm not sitting here saying that you should be like enthusiastic about drafting a quarterback. I'm not enthusiastic about it. I'm sitting here understanding the odds that the Falcons finding a Jalen Hurts or a Derek Carr or a Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson are extremely low. I, I understand that. Like, I'm not enthusiastic about it, but that's the situation that the Falcons find themselves in. So for me, it's just one of those things. It is what it is. Like, the Falcons need to start preparing for the future of this football team at the quarterback position. And, you know, if that includes taking a quarterback on day two, which I, I think it, it should include that, then that's the situation that the Falcons find themselves in. It's unfortunate that we may be at the end of the Matt Ryan era or approaching the end of the Matt Ryan era. And again, we can have a long conversation about how the Falcons completely failed Matt Ryan over the last, you know, better part of, of, of the last, you know, seven, eight years or whatever the case may be. We can have that conversation, but it doesn't change to me, at least in my opinion, my assessment, my perspective of the reality that the team finds itself in currently. So that's kind of, I hope that answers your question, um, Brian, um, in, in terms of what has changed. I just feel like we're in a different world, right? Matt Ryan's trending this way, uh, and the Falcons need to start looking ahead to the future. And that's as simple as that. And unfortunately, this draft class is such where it kind of like it's compelling you to take a quarterback on day two. That's where the value is in this draft class. Somewhere between pick 16 and 64 is where you should take a quarterback. That's kind of how I, I sort of see it. But, you know, I'm sure I'll get plenty of response and pushback for that opinion, I'm sure there will be plenty of people in the comments, you know, being like, you know, good riddance or whatever the case may be for Matt Ryan, you know, whatever. But like, I, I just think that's the situation the Falcons find themselves. But, you know, speaking of bet online setting the over unders for, you know, Matt Ryan's future in Atlanta, let's, uh, you know, talk a little bit more about bet online and what they're doing, uh, given that they're the number one spot for all your sports wagering action now that we're in 2022, whether you're betting on NFL playoffs, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, all the way to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one spot. Um, and, you know, you, it's a new year. There's a new website at BetOnline.ag. So sign up today and use the promo code LOCKEDON when you do, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, and I'm recording this Sunday evening, uh, so I don't know if my three-team uh, parlay, playoff parlay, has hit yet. Two teams have hit, Tampa Bay and uh, Buffalo certainly hit, and we're waiting on the Rams. Uh, obviously, I'm glad I did not bet on Dallas uh, in, in the way that game ended, 
but, you know, whether you, you want to get in on this playoff action or you want to find something else to bet on, head on over to Bet Online where the game starts. So our next question comes from Greg E. He says, hi, Aaron. I am looking forward to this offseason, hoping that this new regime can add some more talent to help this team move forward. I enjoy your content. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Greg. His first question, he has two, uh, is first, since we have a little more cap space than we had last year, which positions would you like to see them fill offense and or defense with veteran free agents? And two, I know getting pass rush is a major issue for us this year, but I also think the offensive line is equally important. With that in mind, providing he can stay healthy, do you think Matt Gano can provide can help provide a solution to the offensive line woes? Uh, so to answer your first question, you know, I think offensive line and defensive line are the areas that I would like to see the team be proactive in free agency. Again, I'm not expecting them to go crazy in free agency, but I, I feel like, you know, those are the areas of the roster where they kind of need immediate impact. Um, and waiting the better part of three years for any draft picks, even, you know, first round draft picks to develop is, is not going to pay off as quickly as we would like. Um, when you look at the free agent class versus the draft class, particularly on the offensive line, the free agent class on the interior is strong, but the draft class is pretty weak. Um, at least based off my assessment, when you look at the draft class at tackle, it's pretty strong, but the free agent class is pretty weak. So if, you know, you guys know, longtime listeners know that I feel like the interior needs to be addressed, um, more aggressively than the tackle position does. But to me, it makes perfect sense for the Falcons. Um, to, you know, attack their needs at left guard and potentially at center, um, you know, in free agency. And then if they still have needs and feel like they need, can upgrade over Kevin McGarry and, and they want to drop a bomb on that island, uh, they can wait until April in the draft to, to address that. Um, you know, and I, I feel like that would be the best strategy if we're talking about delaying the end of the Matt Ryan era. Cause again, as I've explained many times on the podcast over the last year, uh, with Matt Ryan at the quarterback position, I think the interior of the offensive line is a much bigger priority, particularly when it comes to pass protection. Um, on the defensive line, uh, you know, the pass rush is certainly uh, an area that needs significant upgrades. I don't know if you guys, you probably, most of you saw it on Twitter, but Grits Blitz um, put out a tweet uh, last week that basically said, even if the Falcons improve their sack total by 60% this year, uh, they would still have a low enough sack total that they would still rank last uh, based off of this past season. Uh, so clearly they have a far way to go in order for this pass rush to be considered uh, decent. Um, and, you know, relying on rookie pass rushers is not something that is likely to lead to a significant jump for, for your pass rush. So getting some guys that are proven pass rushers, um, you know, and it, that may not mean getting one sort of superstar player, but maybe signing three or four sort of mid-level guys, similar to the strategy that the Falcons had early in the Dan Quinn era when they went out and got guys like Brooks Reed and Don Terry Poe and Adrian Claiborne. Um, you know, you know, Courtney Upshaw didn't help the pass rush, but you know, those types of moves, Jack Crawford, Derek Shelby, uh, again, not every one of those guys wound up being huge upgrades to the pass rush, but those types of signings that can help really address not only uh, shoring up the pass rush, but also shoring up that run defense so that you can immediately get uh, a defensive line that's actually halfway decent next year and maybe, maybe not be as terrible as we were this past year. As to your second question, when it comes to Matt Gano, yeah, I do think, you know, it's possible uh, again, given, as you said, if he can stay healthy, that Matt Gano could be potentially the solution at right tackle. Um, you know, I feel like Matt Gano, you know, prior to this past year, uh, when injuries derailed his season, 
Uh, and we still don't know the extent of that injury, although the closest clue is that it is something related to his neck, uh, which, you know, could be a serious, potentially career threatening injury. But because we haven't gotten any clarity on that and, and our boy D led uh, even tried to get that some clarity at the uh, Terry and um, Terry and M's uh, year in press conference last week. Uh, and, and they basically said it, Matt Gano's a free agent. And that's all they said. And, you know, uh, shout out to you, D-Led, uh, <laughs> doing, doing the Lord's work, trying to get some injury updates still to this day. But, um, you know, I think as far as Ghana goes, like prior to his injury, like I thought he was a better player than Caleb McGarry. You know, the reason why I wasn't necessarily as big an advocate pushing for Ghana to be the starter at right tackle prior to the season was because I felt like the goal was to get the five best offensive linemen on the field. And, that probably included both Caleb McGarry and Matt Gano and Gano seemed to be a much more viable option at guard than McGarry did. Uh, so it seemed like let's get Gano at left guard and keep getting McGarry at right tackle and see what happens there. But now uh, if we can particularly make upgrades in free agency, at left guard and potentially center, then I think in the world where you can bring Matt Gano back, um, you know, he can be in the mix at right tackle. But I think potentially if healthy, as you put it, uh, could be an upgrade over Caleb McGarry, should be an upgrade over Caleb McGarry. But as I've mentioned a couple of times now on the podcast over the last couple of months, when people have asked me about Matt Gano, um, he, you know, I, I do not expect this team to prioritize bringing him back. As much as a fan I, that I am of him, uh, I, I do not expect this regime to be a fan of him. They really have no reason to be because, you know, he got hurt during OTA. So they, you know, what, like five practices or whatever it was. Again, I don't know what the number is. Uh, it's probably more than that. But, like, you know, that's basically what they're assessing him uh, in his previous tape. But, like, you know, how much stock are they going to put into what he put on tape in 2019 now at this point in time? Or was it 2020? 2020, yes. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, you know, at this point in time, by the time we reach 2022, how much stock are they going to put into that? So my guess is that, you know, you, you're the odds of the Falcons re-sign Matt Gano are low. Um, I would think it's probable that they'll re-sign Jason Spriggs to be their swing tackle. So we'll just sort of see how that goes. I hope I'm wrong on that, but uh, I'm not going to hold my breath that Matt Gano is going to get the opportunity I think he deserves. Unfortunately, injuries de sort of derailed that. Uh, our last question comes from Terrence F. I remember some people were comparing Arthur Smith's play calling Billies to Kyle Shanahan when Arthur Smith was first hired. Do you see that at all? I know it was his first year, but Atlanta's offense seemed pretty vanilla to me in 2021. I know Shanahan had a lot more time in San Francisco to build their offense, but I don't see many similarities other than use of play action and motion somewhat. Yeah, I mean, this was something that we talked about last January when I did my All-22 review of Arthur Smith's offense. This was something that we talked about a little bit with Locked on Titans host Tyler Rowland last January when we hired Arthur Smith. Uh, you know, I, I don't think your perception that the offense is, is fairly vanilla is a wrong perception. And I think one of the things I talked about was like if you were putting Arthur Smith on, on, on the spectrum and one end of the spectrum was Dirk Cutter, and the other end of the spectrum was Kyle Shanahan. So obviously it's going from worst to, to best. Um, you know, Arthur Smith is somewhere on, on the Dirk Cutter side of the spectrum, right? You know, he's over here somewhere. So, um, much closer to Dirk Cutter than he is to Kyle Shady. And then, you know, where you put Sarkin on that spectrum, probably somewhere in the middle, uh, maybe slow, you know, tipping towards the, the Cutter side. And I don't even know if we, I would put Arthur Smith uh, above that. So that was something I noted when we, I watched the film back in January. Um, and that was going to be a concern of mine. Um, but, you know, during the season, I'll point this out, we talked a little bit about this during the season where one of the things I talked about 
with Arthur Smith potentially making adjustments to his offense is that he's kind of like a chef opening up a new restaurant and he has a limited menu, right? He's like, I got five items on my menu, two appetizers, two entrees and a dessert. And we're going to master uh, these five items before we start expanding the menu and start bringing in some cheesecake factory type of notebook that's 48 pages long uh, or whatnot. We're just going to master these basics or whatever fundamentals, all that sort of jazz. Um, and the hope is that in, in year two, he'll expand the menu a little bit. More. And I will say, I'll give him some credit. I do feel like he added a couple of wrinkles in the second half of the season when it came to being a little bit more creative with the run game and the passing game in, in certain ways. Uh, you know, the analogy would be uh, basically like if you just went to the restaurant on a random Tuesday during lunchtime, you saw that there was a special. This was a special lunch special d- just this day uh, and, you know, not something that was a permanent addition to the to the menu. And so you're like, Oh, this is pretty tasty or whatever the case may be. And hopefully we'll get more permanent additions to the menu, so to speak, uh, as far as that goes. So we'll just have to sort of, um, see how that goes. Um, you know, I think the potential is there for him to have a big jump in year two. Um, I just, based off of what we saw in year one, you know, it wasn't that I know many people point out sort of, you know, Kyle Shanahan wasn't all that, in year one of his tenure here in Atlanta. And, and obviously we had a historically great offense in year two. Again, I don't think most people are expecting that type of leap in year two, but it certainly m- makes note of the potential that the offense could be significantly better, uh, you know, in 2022. And the thing I will note about that and the thing I have noted about that is that, you know, the thing that we often forget about Kyle Shanahan's first year is like during the first, you know, depending on what your timeline is, the first six to eight weeks of the season, the Falcons had like a top five offense that year. Um, so it wasn't as if it was that crazy, um, you know, that, you know, or at least in hindsight, it, it looks far less crazy. Obviously at the time, it, you know, when you're in it, you can't sort of see it, but, um, you know, having going from a top five offense to a historically great offense is not a, as big a leap as I think a lot of us assume it was, but, you know, I, I, that, for that reason, it's hard for me to buy that because we never really quite saw that from this year's offense. Uh, except for maybe again that maybe that week four to week nine stretch where Matt Ryan was playing really well for four out of those five games. Uh, and, and, you know, coincidentally, Calvin really played the majority of those games, three out of those five games. Um, and so it goes back to kind of what I was talking about earlier at the, in the episode where it's like, I, I feel like you kind of need Calvin Ridley if you're going to get back to that. Um, and so that's part of it where it's like, you know, hopefully that whole situation gets resolved, but you can get really back to his 2020 form, uh, as well as, you know, getting what we saw during that stretch of games, which is kind of peak Kyle Pitts. And you can get more of that rather than only seeing that for like four or five games like we did this year. You know, maybe we can see that for eight to 10 games or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And if, if that comes to fruition, then I could see this offense really cooking, uh, this season. And then we can make those Shanahan uh, esque, uh, comparisons or whatever the case may be. But, uh, we'll just sort of have to see how it all plays out, guys, with Calvin Ridley. We'll see how it plays out with the Falcons quarterback situation. Again, I think the Falcons are in the market for a quarterback. They may decide, uh, and, and do the thing that, you know, so many of you guys insist on them doing, which is not take a quarterback this year and, and, you know, I guess we'll just go another year with Felipe Franks or, you know, Trevor Simeon or whoever they wind up signing, which again is a choice. Uh, but, but, you know, I don't know if it's the right choice, at least as, as far as I see it. I think you got to start preparing for the future, but maybe the Falcons are also in denial on that whole issue. So we'll just sort of have to see how that goes, but, um, that will do it for us here on today's Locked On Falcons podcast. 
I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen, but I always have recommendations for what should be your second listen, of course. Uh, in addition to the local shows, Lockdown Hawks, Lockdown Braves, Lockdown Bulldogs, which you can find free and available in a variety of podcast platforms, including on YouTube, uh, where you can find Lockdown Braves and Lockdown Bulldogs. Of course, you should check out the Lockdown Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Lee's giving you those daily picks, those blowout specials, and, of course, the lock of the day that's helping put money in your pocket. So go check out Lockdown Bets, all on the same podcast platforms that you can find. Locked on Falcons. If you guys want to send in questions for future mailbags and Q&A episodes, of course, you can do so via Twitter at Locked on Falcons, Facebook at Locked on Falcons. You can send an email to LockedOnFalcons at mail.com. Or, of course, you can leave a comment here on the Locked on Falcons YouTube channel. So that is going to do it for us, guys. Appreciate it. Hope you had a, a great weekend watching some wildcard football. I hope those of you in Georgia or at least, you know, in the South, like me, uh, you know, are, are doing fine with the, the winter storm apocalypse of, of 2022. You know how it is when it snows in, in the south. You know, the whole world shuts down. And I know those of you guys that live up north, I did live up north for a couple of years in Pittsburgh, know that snow is like not a big deal. But here in the south, we just can't handle it. So hopefully everybody in the south is doing well. Hopefully everybody in the north is doing well, uh, you know, as snow is just any old Tuesday, uh, any old Monday for you guys <laughs> this time of year. So. I uh, hope you guys stay safe uh, if you can, uh, and I hope you guys continue to check out Locked on Falcons. That'll do it for us uh, today. So appreciate it. Till then.